and Sarah make some decisions on their own that God didn't necessarily tell them to do. God gave them a promise and they did not move fast enough. So in sure Christian fashion, they decided to help God out and do it their own way, <laughs> uh, which is going to cause them some problems probably later on down the road. But it brings us over to uh, Genesis chapter 17. And God already has established his covenant uh, at least two times before. He's talked to Abraham about the covenant, but each time he's been a little bit more specific. A lot of times when God gives revelation, he'll give what you call a general revelation, which means he'll let you know some things about some things. But as you get closer to that item, he'll begin to speak to you in a different way. I don't know if you've ever experienced that personally, but sometimes when I've had, I was about to have a uh, major change in my life, I would experience a heightened awareness that things were so seeming to shift and God would put that in my spirit. And as I began to pray, although we didn't know what the shifts were, slowly but surely changes begin to happen. A lot of times you'll recognize those shifts because you'll become uncomfortable. Have you ever been uncomfortable in a state in life you're in and just like things just aren't comfortable the way they were and things like that? Sometimes God is getting ready to move you. Sometimes he's not getting ready to move you by location, but he's getting ready to move you by who you are. He's getting ready to elevate you to something different in your ministry or, or where you're headed. And this time we see God is getting ready to do some things for Abram. Um, so Lamarck, if you'll hit that again, it's stop. Uh, we're going to go over to Genesis chapter 17 and we're going to read down uh, a little bit and uh, go all the way through verse eight. So Genesis chapter 17, starting at verse one through eight, and we'll read it together. Ready? And let's read. When Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. Then I will make my covenant between me and you, and you will greatly increase in your numbers. Abram fell face down and God said to him, as for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be called Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you very fruitful, and I will make nations of you, and kings will come from you. I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you for the generations to come to be your God and the God of your descendants after you. The whole land of Canaan where you now reside as a foreigner, I will give as an everlasting possession to you and your descendants after you and I will be their God. God is establishing his covenant. And, and when you do biblical studies, a lot of times you find things like what we call keywords or key phrases in a, in a chapter, which means something that's said over and over again. It'll give you a little clue about what's happening. If, do you hear any phrases that seem to be sticking out in, in this? What do you do? You hear God continually saying something? Covenant. He's saying covenant, but he's saying, I what? I will. I will. He's promising some things. He's, he's getting a little bit more specific. That's it. It's the covenant. That's exactly right. He's telling them that I'm getting ready to do some things for you. And this is what I'm going to do. And he's going to be specific. But uh, number one says Abraham was how old? Um, and Sarah is how old when the Lord appears to Abram? How old are they? Abram is 99 and Sarah is 89. The thing is, God promised this to Abram. 24 years ago. This promise was 24 years ago. How many of us get tired if God gave us a promise and it hadn't showed up in 24 months? <laughs> if God promised you something, a lot of us, if it's been two years and it hadn't come to pass, a lot of times we give up on it as it just ain't gonna happen, right? Have you ever just said that in your life? You had some aspirations for your life and thought God was going to do some things for you. And you said, I'm too late in my life. Now, that's probably not going to happen. You kind of wrote it off. But God, not he never says Abraham will. He keeps saying what? 
I will, which means that the power of the promise is never predicated on the recipient in this situation. It is predicated on who? God. God is the person who's given the promise. And the Bible says that God is not a what? Man that he should what? Lie. Nor is he the son of man that he should change his mind. Even if he doesn't do it on his time, on your timetable, does not mean that he's not going to do it. That should be very encouraging for us because Abram has had to hear this a lot of different times. This is the third time Abram is hearing this. A lot of us can't stand to be let down and promise things and they don't show up right when we want them to because you get excited. And the Bible does say that hope deferred makes the what? Heart sick. Uh, Lord, I, the second time we see Abram gets to the point where he says, you know what? I'm going to have to help God out. I keep seeing he's telling me that he's going to do something. But now his wife comes to him and says, we're going to have to do something about this. God is promising. Maybe he's waiting on us to do it. And they get ahead of God. And so that could be a problem. God, and that's question number two, that God has already mentioned his covenant two times before already. But this time he's going to go into a greater detail. And, and I want you to pay attention to something because this is very important. Uh, God is changing Abram's, that's number three, name because Abram is about to step into his promise. Now, I want you to pay close attention to that because when we started in Genesis, God gave Adam a name. He called him Adam or mankind. But he allowed Adam because he had authority to what? Name things. And the Bible says that whatever he named it, it what? Was. So there's power in a name. Be careful what you name your kids. Don't name your kid Kool-Aid. Don't do that, man. To be, to be thankful, uh, don't name your kid Mocha Latte or whatever, or Mocha. Uh, don't do that. Uh, Mocha's kind of pretty. I'm glad I'm through having kids. I don't want to do that to them. But at the same time, don't do that to your children. But when you name somebody, it's giving an indication of their future, of their purpose, of what they're called to be. And Abram, does anybody know what the name Abram means? Abram means exalted father, which means that Abram was called a father before he ever had any what? Children. Now he qualifies for his name because although God didn't tell him to do it, he went out and got Ishmael so he could technically be an exalted father and that could be the end of the promise. But God is saying that I'm trying to take you from here to there. And you see God when he's getting ready to take people from certain places from here to there, he often changes their name. And you'll see that number four says Abram and other biblical characters such as Paul reveal to us that when God takes you higher, he often makes you over. Everybody say that when God takes you higher, he often makes you over. In other words, God, he can take the same old person and make something new out of it. In other words, yes, your name has been Saul of Tarsus. You have been a Jew of Jews. You have killed Christians or persecuted Christians, done all sorts of things. But I'm getting ready to change your destiny. So I'm getting ready to change your what? Name. Sometimes when God's getting ready to change a name, Heritage Family Church, he, he's getting ready to change a destiny. He's trying to get you to walk into something different and to change your identity because you can be in a room full of people. And this is a scientific fact. There could be a thousand people in the room. And if somebody calls your name, although all those other things are out there and all those other noises, guess what you tend to notice out of all the crowd? Your name. That's how you that's how you're identified. That's how you're recognized. You work according to who you believe you are. Right believing uh, creates right living. And a lot of times we don't really realize who we are. So we live beneath who we are. That's why it's important to know first Peter two and nine. You are a royal what? priesthood, a holy nation. Sometimes people who are saved are simply living a life below the standard that Christ has called them to live because they don't know who their new, their new name is. They don't know that you are called by the name of Christ now and that means something. 
That's just not any old thing. So what he's saying is, Abram, I need you to know in this moment that you are not going to be able to be who you are. So verse number five says this, you cannot be successful in a new assignment while holding on to an old identity. Mm. You can't be successful in a new assignment while holding on to an old identity. Have you ever been at a job or somewhere else where somebody was a really, really good worker and they worked really hard and they worked so hard that they got promoted, but when they got promoted, all of a sudden they got fired because they got promoted beyond their competence and they didn't change their identity. God had brought you away from the water cooler talk and now you can't talk about the boss and everybody else and do all these things. God has changed your assignment, but you're still trying to be the same old person in a new position, and that won't work. Because now, what you now that you're the manager, you can't fraternize with all the people that work. You can't just sit out and talk and, and gossip and do all those things. You have to change your mindset because too much is given, much is what required. Which means that you can detonate or you can destroy your future by trying to be the same old person in a brand new assignment. There's somebody God's trying to elevate, and I want you to know as he elevates you, that means some things in your life are going to have to change. You might have to elevate your game. You might have to pull up a dictionary and a thesaurus and start learning some new words to learn some new things. You might have to crack it open your Bible. Lamar, God is moving you from one place to the other, which means that to whom much is given, what? Much is what? Required. So at some point, you'll go from the student to the what? Teacher. You're a servant leader. God is changing your name. Different things will be uh, required of you. To be a deacon, God is changing who you are. He's doing something different for you, but not just for somebody who holds an office in the church. He's doing it for every single believer because God's purpose is never for you to be the same what? Person. <clears throat> if any man be in Christ, he's a what? New creation. The old things are passed away and all things are become new. So I want you to drive, drive that home. You cannot be successful in a new assignment while holding on to an old identity. I know you're used to doing certain things a certain way, but if God's going to take you to that next level, it might require you to get up five to 30 minutes earlier than you've been getting up to pray or get five up five to 30 minutes earlier to start working out or to get up five to 30 minutes earlier to, to read five pages a day to expand your mind. God might be trying to take you to something different, but you can't get there being the same. And that's why across America, and especially in our westernized culture, you have a bunch of what Paul would say, infantile Christians, people who should be on meat, but they're on milk. They don't change because they never change who they are. They get saved, but they have the same biblical study habits and the same biblical practice habits that they did when they came into the body of Christ 30 years ago. They have not matured and a call to Christ and to, re and, and to get the destiny God is calling for you requires that some things are going to be have to be cut away. You'll see what I mean by that in a second. Some things that might feel good to your flesh. If you're going to the next level in God, God might say those things have to leave. Sometimes those things come in the form of relationships and people. There are some people that you cannot take to the next level with you. I know you love your cousin, but your cousin is going to get you fired. You cannot take him to the company party because your cousin is rowdy. And this is not the environment that he needs to be what? In. I'll meet you in your environment. You're not quite ready to come here, which means that sometimes when God gets ready to move you somewhere, he's going to separate you from some things and some people that you've been used to. He's been doing it the entire time. When we started with the story of Abraham, what was the first thing he told him? Leave. <laughs> leave, your, leave, your hemp, leave your house. Leave your familiar surroundings. Leave everything. 
Sometimes God will take us out of a situation and we'll go into a new situation. And you know what we do? We sabotage our lives, dragging those same old things and people into those situations. Have you ever done that? You had a, had some people at work you should, probably shouldn't have been fraternizing with. God gave you a new job and you're still talking to those same old people. Sometimes some people left your life and, and then rather than letting them leave and saying there's a time and a place and a purpose under the sun and a time for season. I thank God for the season we had. I'm going to move on from that. You can't stop remembering what you guys used to be and trying to rekindle a relationship or a friendship that is not going to be the same. And the same thing that was good in one environment is not good in the next environment. How do you know? Each child my wife has had, I have watched while an umbilical cord has come out. And the first thing they do when that baby comes out after they put the little suction in his nose is they cut that cord. Now, why do you need to know that? Because for nine months, that cord has been giving that baby life. But if you leave that cord on the baby now in the new environment, the same thing that was giving it life will kill it in this environment. Some of the same relationships that were picking you up and cheering you up in this season will bring you down in the next season. Yes, we love those people, but we have to be careful and manage our relationships and manage our lives and some of those habits. Some of the habits that got you to where you are will not be the habits that sustain you in the next level. Everybody say next level. Christianity is not a relationship or a, or a fellowship of settling. We're saved by grace through faith. We don't have to have works to have our, uh, to be saved, but God has called us to sanctification, which means that we're constantly becoming more and more like Christ through the process of sanctification. Different people teach sanctification different ways. Some people teach it as a section, uh, 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 as a second work of grace. Some people teach it as a continual work, but however you teach it, the main part of it is that as you come to Christ and come into the fullness of the promise of what Christ has to you, change is always going to be in your life. So don't get used to who you are because it's going to change. That's it. Yay. Don't get used to your old habits because if you're going to become what God wants you to be, it's going to what? Change. So God promises Abraham some things. He says this, I'm going to give you descendants. This is verse seven. Uh, uh, question seven. I'm going to give you descendants. I'm going to give you many nations uh, from you. I'm going to bless your seed and they're going to possess this land of Canaan, which they've had for thousands of years. And then he says, this covenant is going to go down through Abram's descendants and he will be their God. So not only am I going to be your God, I'm going to be the God of your children. I, I've come to let you know, you can't afford to stay the same because guess what? If you can make God your God, he will eventually become your children's God because he's not just the God of Abraham. He's the God of Abraham, Isaac. And Jacob, he's the God of all of them. He's the God of Victor. He's the God of Dave. He's the God of Linda. He's the God of Virginia. He's the God of Laith. And not only do you want him to be your God, but you have to live right. He says, stand out before me and be thou perfect. That word doesn't mean what we look as perfection. It means complete or mature. In other words, it's time to grow up. Thank you, Jesus. I'm trying to bring you into some things. And if you're going to get what I have for you, it's time for you to grow up. Everybody say grow up. Stand out before me and be thou perfect. For the level I'm trying to take you to, I don't know who I'm talking to, but for the level that God is trying to take you to, it's time for you to grow up. Some old habits go, are going to have to change. Sometimes the way you dress might have to change. The way you talk may have to change. That doesn't mean you're being fake. That means you're elevating. I watched a cartoon one time, and I was looking at a, a cartoon drawing, and there were two, there was a butterfly and a caterpillar, caterpillar, and they were sitting there having coffee and the caterpillar was fussing at the butterfly and he says you know what you changed and the butterfly looked at him and said we're supposed to <laughs> and 
If you're really living the life that God wants you to, God's going to take you to a level in life that some people who liked you on this level going to hate you on that one. Some people love you as Abram, but they're going to hate you as Abraham. Because Abraham, because Abram was just an exalted father. Abraham is the father of many nations. Abram had a little money and a little cattle and things like that. Abram's going to be rich, rich. God is going to take some people to some levels financially, some levels spiritually. It, I can't tell you which one it is because I'm not God, but God has different things for you. But this can be held true that God's going to take you some places that may make other people jealous and they're going to leave your life. And you're going to realize they only liked you as Abram and they can't take you as Abraham. I can tell you for a fact that as God begins to elevate you and do things for you in ministry, some of those same people that said they loved you and were their be your best advocate are the one that's going to try to run out and hang your name on the highway. They're going to be the people that find your every little weakness and tell everybody about you. Remember, I remember him or I remember her when they were ready back here. They read that. They, they're not nothing. They ain't been nothing. I, I remember when they used to do this and I remember when they used to do that and we used to hang out and do this. The problem is you still hanging out doing that. Let them talk because you can't afford to get down with the chickens when God has made you an eagle. I say that again. You can't afford to be with the chickens when God has made you an eagle. God has called you to soar. Prove it to me. For they that wait upon the Lord, he shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not get weary. They shall walk and not faint. If you wait on God, God will take you to levels that your mindset has not even ready for or prepared for. God will put you in places and spaces that you are not yet mentally ready for. You have to stop and look around to see am I here? I'll never forget when I was in high school uh, I, 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 we were playing and there was a high school friend and we were both running backs. And he was he was doing a play in practice. And all of a sudden, the hole that opened up was so big that it shocked him. And he stopped running and looked at the hole before he took off because he was so shocked that it opened up so big that he couldn't even run through it. I've come to tell you that sometimes God is going to do some blessings for you that you just got to stand back and look at them. You too shocked. You don't even want to walk in it because you're scared. You said that can't be right. And it may not be money. People like to shout because they think it's always money or a house or a car. But God is taking some people to some new levels in prayer, some new levels in study, some new levels in fellowship, some new levels in the word, some new levels in evangelism, some new levels in the laying on of hands and the recovery of the sick. God is trying to take you to some new places, but he's going to have to change your name. There's an old slave song. Oh, oh, spiritual that says, I told Jesus it'll be all right if he changed my name. You know what? Lord, if you have to change my name for me to walk in what you're calling me into, I'm willing to do it. It might be painful and I might have to leave some pieces of me behind. You're going to see that in a second. But I'd rather go with what you're calling me to and leave a piece of me behind than to keep all of me whole and miss out on what you really have for me. Let's go to verse 9. Let's keep going. Verse 9 says this. If they'll get that pulled up. Genesis chapter 1 verse 9. If, if it's not on the screen, I'll, I'll read, it, uh, read it out. It says, then God said to Abraham, as for you, you must keep my covenant you and your descendants after you for the generations to come. This is my covenant with you and your descendants after you. The covenant you are to keep every male among you must be circumcised. You didn't read the fine print. <coughs> Sometimes God promises will come with the requirements you might not be comfortable with. You are to undergo circumcision. 
and it will be the sign of the covenant between me and you for the generation to come. Every male among you who is eight days old must be circumcised, including those born in your household and bought with money from a foreigner. Those who are not your offspring, whether born in your household or bought with your money, that they must be circumcised. My covenant is in your flesh. Ooh. It's to be an everlasting covenant. An uncircumcised male who has not been uncircumcised in the flesh will be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. So circumcision is a what? It's a sign of God's covenant. Vic, can you go back there and check and help, help them back there in the box um, to make sure they, that they got the help they need? Um, but this is a cutting away of the flesh. We know what circumcision is. At 99 years old, God is saying, if you're going to endure the covenant that I have for you, it's going to be painful. I'm going to require great sacrifice. See, it sounds good when you listen to somebody talk about all the blessings that God has for you and God's going to change your name and you might lose some friends, but in the end, you're going to be an eagle and the eagle don't have to hang out with the chickens. But guess what? The eagle has some work to what? Do. God is symbolically saying that this is a cutting away of the flesh. And if you're going to be in covenant to me, you have to cut away the flesh. We'll see it in the New Testament where he encourages us to circumcise our hearts. In other words, that if we're going to go where God is calling us, there's got to be, everybody said, cutting away. Every male must be circumcised. That's question number nine on the eighth day. Every male must be circumcised on the eighth day. And I ask you a question. What do you need to cut away to get to what God is calling you to? Seriously, somebody, somebody answer me that. What old habit do you have? You don't have to be too transparent. Or, or what in your life do you feel like you might need to get rid of uh, in order to get to the next level? Is there anybody that's bold enough to, to, to say, I have some things that I know might be hindering me from getting to where God is calling me to be? Is there anybody like that? What, what are some things that might be hindering us from getting to the next level? Social media. Social media. How can social media hinder you from getting to the next level? You're sitting there watching it all day. You can, it's consuming all your time, which means that you can, look, I don't mind losing a little money because I work with money every day. I know money is fluid. You can lose that and get it back uh, very, rather quickly. But one thing you cannot get back is what? time. So when you waste time, you don't get it back. If you waste time that you could have been at the gym, you may get stronger, but you wasted that time. It's going to cost you some more. So we might be, not be as fruitful as we need to be. Maybe instead of social media, we don't have to cut it out completely, but maybe we could find a better use for our time and, and set a, Apple has something on their phone uh, where you can say, you've been on this thing this amount of time. Or you say, this is my time and send alarm on your phone to be on social media. And after that, I'm off. I often have friends that are always asking me things and we're talking and chatting and people say, well, I saw this on TV. And they're amazed. I said, I didn't see that. Why? Because I don't have time for TV. I got too much purpose. I watch TV. That doesn't mean I don't watch TV at all, that I'm a hermit. But I don't have time to devote to a te television series. I might every now and then try to binge a Netflix once every two years, but I don't have time for that because I've got too much stuff that I feel God has put in me to waste my what? Time. Nothing wrong with that, but I guarantee you, if you think long enough, God's got some purpose on the inside of you. And how much, how farther, much farther along could we be if we were better stewards of our time? I have only but a minute, one with 60 seconds in it. Forced upon me, didn't choose it. But I'll suffer if I lose it. Give account if I abuse it. Just a tiny little minute. 
but eternity is in it. Be careful how you spend your what? Time. I might need another mic. I believe my mic uh, may be going out a little bit. Um, so if one of my guys could bring me a mic. But at the, but the end of the, uh, of the day, we realize that we're going to have to cut away some things to get to the next level in God. And also, we might have to reorient our time. What else could we maybe give up that's keeping us away from the promises God has for us? Telephones. Oh, on, on the phone. <laughs> tell, tell, telephones. Talking too much on the phone. That's a good one. Victor, you had your hand raised. Negative people. Negative people. Negative thoughts. Negative people and negative thoughts. Sometimes it may be that we have to give, bless some people and bless them on out of our lives. Go ahead. Worry. Worry. Sometimes worry can keep us from getting what God has for us. These are some things that we realize that maybe God has some things that are still for us in life, but there are some things that we're having what I call creature comforts because it's comfortable sometimes to have a negative thought because if you think you can't do it, then if you don't do it, you don't feel bad about it. But if you have hope and don't make it, then you, you, you might, you know, you might be a little disappointed. It's easier to be on social media and veg out. And, and as a matter of fact, it's, it's amazing. TikTok is like a time warp. You get on there and before you know it, an uh, hour is gone by and you don't know why you're still looking at these same people do the same, same thing over and over again. So it's important for us to cut some of those things out of our life. Every male must be circumcised. This is a major thing. We're talking about some real life examples, but this is a major thing in biblical things because God is establishing his first covenant. He's going to, there's different covenants. He, he, he made a promise with Adam and then there was a covenant with Noah. And now there's a covenant with Abraham and there'll be a covenant with David and it'll be fulfilled through Jesus. And Jesus, we talked about that Sunday, didn't we? When we were doing communion, this is my blood of the new what? Covenant. But we're about to see the original covenant with Abraham and Abraham's getting the blessing of God. So as we see in verse 18, uh, we haven't got there yet, but I want to read this because this is important to see how Abraham does this. So we're going to look at verse 15, Genesis chapter 17, verse 15, Genesis chapter 17, verse 15. And it says this, God also said to Abram, Abraham now. As for Sarah, your wife, you are no longer to call her Sarah. Her name will be Sarah. I will bless her and I will surely give you a son by her. I will bless you. I will bless her so that she will be the mother of nations. Kings of peoples will come from her. Now, we, the first time God gave Abraham the covenant for him, Abraham fell down and he worshiped. He just knew, okay, I've already got a son. So you said that I can be the father of many nations. This is going to happen because I've, I've already done the work. But this time he falls face down. And verse 17 says, Abram fell face down and he laughed. Why did he laugh? It says, he said to himself, will a son be born? To a man a hundred years old, in other words, I'm 99. Even if I had a, if I started work today, it's gonna take nine months. I'll be a hundred years old. Sarah will be 90. Will Sarah bear a child at 90? And Abraham said to God, uh, to God, if only Ishmael might live under your blessing. Now I want to park here for a little bit because this is something all of us in the body of Christ need to think about. Verse 18, this is number 10, and this is really for you to self-reflect and write out for your own. Abraham tries to get God to bless what he did. Ishmael was their idea. How many times have we asked God to bless what we wanted rather than wanting to be where he is blessing? How many times have you ever tried to force an idea to work without consulting God? Could have been a business, could have been a relationship. There's a lot of things sometimes we, we try to tell God, I believe you're blessed, but bless what I'm doing. 
Christianity does that a lot. We have all these grandiose ideas and we do all these things and then we expect God to bless it. But what about spending some time in prayer to see what God wants us to do? Because God's will is already blessed. And if you can get in the flow, somebody said get in the flow. If you're watching, write that in the chat, get in the flow. The problem is Abraham had made his own flow. He had made his own rhythm. God, you're going to make me the father of many nations. We got to cover it. We're going to make a child that's not even by my wife. And then we're going to flow in your blessing. And God is saying, no, my blessing is not coming through that seed. It's coming through another seed. You got to get into my flow. The problem is that you're getting into your own flow. And until you get on my program, things aren't going to work the way you need them to work. Verse 19 says this, then God said, yes, your wife, Sarah, will bear a son and you will call him Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his descendants after him. In other words, God didn't even respond initially to that. God's like, you did that. I didn't tell you to do that. I'm going to tell you to do what I'm blessing. This is where my blessing is coming. This is where it's been coming the whole time. How many times have we tried to get the God to fix up our, our messes? Somebody can be honest. She just said regularly. <laughs> Bless it, Lord. Lord, I'm looking for a financial miracle. Why are you looking for a financial miracle? Because, Lord, the credit card demon that got me. <laughs> Lord, Lord, the overspending and the eating out demon. The, the devil's in my finances. The devil is not in your finances. Tim Horton is in your finances. <laughs> Visa and MasterCard and Credit and Meyer and Walmart, they're in your finances. Best Buy and, and Harbor Freight and Home Depot, they're in your finances. Leases that never end, they're in your finances. That's what's in your finances. The devil is not in your finances. You in your finances. And God is saying, get out of your flow and get into my flow. I've already, that, yes, the world has a system for money and it does work, but I have already created a system. And he says, I told you to test me in my system. If you'll just give me a dime on every dollar, you can give me more. And it's not legalistic. If you don't do it, I'm not going to strike you down. But he said, if you would just give me a dime on every dollar and an offering, test me and see wouldn't I open up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that you would not have room enough to receive. Just a simple 10%, just a simple tithe. And I know some people will argue over whether or not to tithe, but God said, test me in this. Whether you know, believe it's required or not, God can tell you this, God put his blessing on it. And that's the only thing God has ever said try me and see he said if you try me see when I open up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that you won't have room enough to receive God I need a financial miracle are you tithing no well get out your flow and get in mine because you are tithing but you tithing the other stuff to Netflix and Hulu and Disney Plus that you tithing. You're giving 10% of your income somewhere, but God is saying, I got a blessing for you, but it's you in the wrong river. Get in the right flow. But let's see how gracious God is. Although Abraham and Sarah have, have messed up Hagar's life, so to speak, and tried to create their own flow, let's see how gracious God is. Even though God says, no, I'm not going to bless what you did with Ishmael. I, I, I'm not going to make him the nations that the nations come through. I already had that plan. And you should have got into my flow instead of doing that. But since you did that, let's look at the mercy of our father. Verse 20, it says, and as for Ishmael, I have heard you. I will surely bless him. I will make him fruitful. And will greatly increase his numbers. He will be the father of 12 rulers. And I will make him into a great nation. But my covenant I will establish with Isaac. Whom Sarah uh, will bear to you by this time next year. He already knew his name. He already knew who Isaac was. He already knew that Isaac was coming. He didn't reveal it to Abraham. 
And so Abraham did some things on his own. Have you ever felt foolish when you tried to work and bust your fingers to the bone to try to make something happen? And then all of a sudden, God lets you do it. And after a while, he just like, he does it like that. And you're like, wait a minute. It's that easy? If you trust me. I can do in a few minutes what it's taking you a lifetime to do. Wow. Hmm. Some people work for years to make what God can drop in your lap in, in 30 minutes. Because they're trying to flow in their own self-efforts without being prayerful and hearing the voice of God. So that means it's important to try to hear the voice of God, isn't it? It says this, when he had finished speaking to Abraham, God went up from him. On that very day, Abraham took his son Ishmael, poor fellow, and all those born in his household and bought with his money every male in his household and circumcised them. And God told him Abraham was 99 years old when he circumcised his and his son Ishmael was 13. Abraham and his son Ishmael were both circumcised on that day. And every male in Abraham's household, including those born in the household and bought foreigner, was circumcised for him. Now I want you to see why Abraham's blessed. Abraham, number 11 is Abraham was 99 and Ishmael was 13. But here's a thought. Abraham didn't have Beaumont health. Abraham didn't have a topical anesthesia. Abraham didn't have an anesthesiologist to knock him out. Abraham didn't have surgical steel. Abraham had a sharpened flint rock. At the age of 99. Do you still want God's blessing? Remember I told you sometimes the blessing of the Lord might require some extreme sacrifice from you. You want to go higher in God? It might mean you have to spend a little bit more time in study. It might mean you, you had your favorite TV show, but you really need to be in Bible study or watching the broadcast or, or doing something or spending some more time in prayer or doing devotionals or going back reading over these chapters. Abraham, there can be no doubt that he's all in. No anesthesia, sharp rock, no peroxide, no better dime. And he circumcises himself. And he turns around after that and circumcises his 13-year-old son. And every male in the household and somehow lives after the experience. And we know that Abraham has some real men because we just saw Abraham's assassins go out and take down four different kingdoms. But they respect him that much. That when he says, my God told me to do something, they follow suit. Lord, I pray we live such a life that people see the God in us. That when God leads us to do something, they respect it themselves. And they say, I might not understand it. But I see the type of life and the type of faith you have. Now, they, his servants and slaves, they really don't have a choice in the matter. But do you see how sold out Abraham is to the word of the Lord? And after he's cut away that flesh, Isaac is conceived. Some things in your life may not be conceived until you cut some flesh out of your life. What in your flesh needs to go so you can give birth to what God has for you? Could it be an attitude? Could it be anger? 
Could it be apathy? Could it be laziness? Could it be, ah, I'm in the church, but I'm not really in the church. Could it be a, a half-heartedness for, for the things of God? Could it, what is that? What could it be that God has a promise for you? Because God has a purpose and a plan for each one of your lives. It's for his glory. Not to lift you up, but to lift him up. But he has something for you. But it might require that you cut something away. And it might not be that you get to do it the easy way. Sharp, flint, rock. No anesthesia. What are you missing out on in your life? Because you say, God, that's too hard. I can't let go of it. Or of them. What is it? How many are ready to receive the promises God has for your life? I'm raising up both hands. It's not going to take me 99 years to figure it out. I may not have 99 years. I hope I do. <laughs> That's all right, Sister Bernice. The promise is still there for you. There you go. Do you know that Caleb was 80 when they took the promised land? And he said, I feel stronger today than I ever have. Now, you might not feel strong as today as you ever have, but guess what? Don't give up. There's still life in you. There's still purpose and plan for God in your life. When God is done with you, he'll bring you home. And if he hadn't brought you home, that means he's not done with you. Don't give up yet. Don't throw in the tile. Brother, brother Bob and I were working the other day. We were out there and brother Bob was putting in the electrical outlet for uh, a project that's coming. And uh, brother Bob said, I, I gave my wife a resignation letter and it said, I hereby resign from doing all housework and home, home improvement jobs <laughs> from this point forward. And he said, she looked at me and she ripped it up in my face <laughs> and said, it's not accepted. And he said, for some reason, Pastor, I think if I try to hand you a resignation, you're going to do the same thing. And I said, you're exactly right. Because the Bible says, be faithful unto death. Not till it's no longer comfortable to do. Brother Bob can't do it as fast as he used to, but he can do it as good as he used to. That's it. So ask yourself, God, what purpose do you have for my life? Where are you trying to take me? What are you trying to do with me? Do I need to be able to use my years of wisdom to be a mentor? What are you trying to do in my life right now? Or are you trying to help me to minister to people in plays outside the walls? Help me know how I can help this local church, how I can help my family and those people around me. He's not finished with you, but just be careful. Because you might have to cut some things away. Sharp flint rock. No anesthesia. It is. But I don't know if I'm strong enough to preach it. <laughs> it's, it's, it's hard enough for me to say. <laughs> Any questions? Any comments as we prepare to leave tonight? Well, God be the glory. That could be true, but I'm so glad that God doesn't count numbers. <laughs> he makes numbers count. <laughs> and that is the truth. 
That is that is the truth. Actually, you're a little generous. About twenty percent is the actual uh, is the actual statistic uh, in, in in churches. So I'm hoping that these little sheets are being a blessing to you and giving you some exercise to learn and things like that. For those of you who are watching online, if you like these sheets and things like that and, and study guides, you're welcome to get them. Uh, we can either upload them on to our church site at encounter360.org under our live stream, or we can actually send them to you electronically if you'd like to have them. Uh, we're going to pray. We've got some great things coming up. It's Palm Sunday, uh, Sunday, y'all. So we're, it's going to be Palm Sunday. We're going into Holy Week. Um, this is the week uh, that uh, that our Lord uh, coming up will make his last week before the cross. So um, let's pray. And if you're watching online still, uh, we want to pray. Uh, and if you don't know Jesus, we want you to make Jesus the Lord and the Savior of life. If you don't know how, reach out to us and we'll be glad to do that. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your love and for your word. And we thank you for this great study among these great people. Thank you for the interaction. Thank you for the commentary, Lord God, that iron sharpens iron God. And thank you for the revelation uh, that you've given us today. I pray uh, that is what's been taught today will help get us all to the next level in you, God. Um, and prepare our hearts for what you're calling us to prepare us for that, God. And Lord, I pray again, and I'll continue to pray to the Lord of the harvest, uh, Father God, for laborers to send into this harvest for those who need to know you. And we'll be careful to give you praise. In the mighty and the matchless name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Somebody give God a hand clap of praise. <laughs> Hallelujah.